0: I'm very happy to be here. I'm happy Amen. to be able to be here at the campground. I'm happy to be able to be here with all of you. Uh, the people are what make it special. We could come here when it's empty and what would it mean? It's us being together that makes it what it is and I appreciate you being here. Um, when I found out that I was going to be asked to bring the word I wasn't sure what I would read or what the message would be. I wasn't too concerned about it. I mean the Lord will, will step in and and uh, I'm, I'm going to put Christie out of the way. This isn't about me. This yes. isn't coming from me. These aren't my thoughts. This isn't my message. This is coming from God's Word. Yes. Right. So take it for, for what you will. Um, I, I, count, I don't know every, every person in here, but I, I, I would meet you and count you as a friend. So nothing is said in, um, in a spirit of, of offensiveness, but I'm just going to speak what I've read, and what God's words are to us and that's the best I can do um, I think it's fitting, we, we have a lot of, it's wonderful we've had a lot of people come to the altar, we had a lot of newly sanctified, we have some who, who are um, who were sanctified and have recommitted their vow uh, I think that's wonderful, we have some who are considering getting sanctified and maybe no one even knows it um, I think that the message today might speak to all of us uh, I think that We get focused on reaching the lost, and that's what we're called to do. But we've got to take care of ourselves first. We've got to take care of our own spiritual health in order to reach out to others. Uh, If we're struggling, what good are we to anyone? So whether we've already made our commitment, whether we've just recently made our commitment, whether we're considering making a commitment, I think there's something that we need to be really clear about that the Bible states here and there's something that we need to hold on to because there's one thing that will get in the way every time and it's ourselves. It's our emotions which our emotions can fool us, our emotions can trick us. We cannot rely on emotions to tell us what we know are God's promises, what we know are facts. We cannot lean on that. So I ask you to, to keep those things in mind as, as we move forward. Um, I'm going to read from the book of Job, and uh, it's a really long book. I'm not going to read all of it. Um, I like to think of it as, I told Justin, I'm going to skip a rock across Job, if you've ever, you know, skipped a rock across water. We're just going to do touch and goes. We're going we're to go through the book, but I think you're going to get the main idea here of, of Job's life and, and what he went through, and how we can apply that to our life, because that's what this this living word is. It's, it's, a, it's a guideline of applications of how, how to live our life. And we can't go forward after making that commitment, thinking that everything's going to be great, because that's not life. That is not life. And we're living in the world, and that's not what's going to happen. So let's, let's go into Job. You can try to follow along if you'd like. We're going to start in chapter one. Uh, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now this was before Christ came and died, so this wasn't, this wasn't perfect in that he had the, the Holy Spirit with him, but he was a perfect in the way that, that he knew the steps that were put before him by God, and he followed. He was obedient. He obeyed. This included making sacrifices and actually physically doing things. It required faith also, but that's that's what it means when he was perfect, was that he followed God's ways. Uh, and then there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. I read that seven was the number of completeness, so this shows that God's blessings were on him and and he had seven sons and three daughters. He also had 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and he was of a very great house and he was the greatest of all the men in the East. That's a pretty important man. And his sons went and feasted in their houses and they called for their sisters to eat and to drink with them and it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. I want to take a time out real quickly and just say this because it's on my heart. And um, men, husbands, please love your family. Please care enough about them to know what's going on with them. To to go to the Lord in prayer for them, look out for them. When when you made your, brother Matt talked about making his vow to his wife and to God, and together they made a vow to God. He vowed to, to love and protect. And and speaking as a wife, I'm pleading with you all: do not check out, do not tap out. Stay plugged in. Stay tuned in to your family. You're the husband. We draw that from the word house band. You are the ring around that house, around that family. It is up to you to lead and direct that family. This is part of what Job did. This is part of what made him upright and perfect in the sight of God. He made his vow, and he stuck to it. We cannot tap out. Please, I'm asking you as a wife. We want to be loved, and we want to be protected. Those were the vows. Please, I'm begging you, stick to them. And and as a wife, I'm going to speak to sisters here, to, to married or those who are looking to get married, please let your husband be a husband. Right. Let him rule the house. Let him make the decisions. Let him be the head of the house. That doesn't mean that your role isn't important. It doesn't mean that you're inferior to him. It means that you understand what God has set up and you promised and vowed to honor that. Justin and I were going to go into um, a place with the kids and we were letting them know this is how it works here. This is what to expect so that when you get in there you're not all over the place and crazy and saying things that, you know, m- might embarrass us. So this is, this is what's going to happen. And Whitley says, looks at me and says, so don't, don't wreck the system. And exactly, don't wreck the system. So when, when we look at our families here, don't wreck the system that God set up into place. Okay, we're going to jump back in here. Uh, Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. So all the angels are presenting themselves in front of God, and Satan came along with them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. If you've ever wondered why, the Lord tells us we need to be in the world, but not of the world. If you've wondered why sanctified means separated for a holy purpose, where was Satan? What is he doing? In the world, in the world, roaming to and from. Yeah. Yeah. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and sheweth evil? Now some people argue that that uh, Satan tempted God, and God fell to some type of you know uh, ploy to, to to use Job. But do you understand here that God is the one who mentioned Job? God is the one who initiated this conversation. He knew what he was doing. He wasn't falling to some type of temptation for, you know, um, let's see if I can get you wrapped up here and, uh, and attack one of your faithful servants. God chose to bring Job into the picture here. And he also calls him a servant. Now, we know that Job was the greatest in the East, so he said, did, did, he didn't say, did you consider the, the greatest man in the East? Did you consider... Uh, this uh, this priest. He was a priest of his household at that time. Uh, have you considered this, this very wealthy, talented man, uh, his servant? He called him a servant. Has thou not made a hedge about him? Says Satan, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch him that he uh, I'll touch all that he hath, and he'll curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, okay, behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon him put not forth thy hand. So Satan went from the presence of the Lord. Okay, all right, go ahead, do what you will with all his belongings. Don't touch him, but wreak havoc. That's what you're good at. Just go do it. I'll see what happens. So Job is home, unaware, like we all are, of what's happening in the presence of God. Yeah. And there came a messenger unto Job. I'm sure Job's a busy man. I mean, he has a, he has a lot on his plate, I would imagine, with everything he has his household and, and everything he owns. And you could, you could think of a, a businessman. I mean, he's very busy. And there came a messenger unto him. I can imagine him you know, knocking on the door, asking to speak with him. And he doesn't have good news. He tells him the oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them, and they took them away. They have slain the servants at the edge of the sword, and I only I am escaped to come tell you. <sighs> well, Job's got to write that off. That's a loss. It's okay. We'll be okay. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, "I'm sorry, Job. I, I got here as quick as I could, but the fire of God's fallen from the heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only have escaped to come tell you. I'm sorry." It's all gone. All right. We'll mark that off. We'll have to figure something out. But while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and carried them away, yea, and enslaved the servants with the edge of the sword. And only I have come away to tell you. All right, he's wiped out now. He's bankrupt. Don't know what he's going to do. He has a large family. He's got a lot to take care of. All right, we'll deal with it. At this point, what else can go wrong? How many times have we thought that? Lord, what else can go wrong? Well, it, it went worse. It went from bad to worse. Another man comes in with the worst news yet. It says, while he was yet speaking, there came another also. And it's hard because I can't imagine having to come tell someone I'm sorry but a wind came and it knocked out all four corners of the house where your children were there was nothing anybody can do they're all gone I'm sorry Job they're all gone Job arose now this is a pivotal point in the story this is a pivotal point for Job's life what's he going to do Satan says he'll curse God is he going to curse God? Would you curse God? They're all gone. Forget, forget being bankrupt at this point. Forget all your possessions. Your children are gone. That'll push people to a breaking point. He arose and he rent his mantle, which was his robe. And he shaved his head. And he fell down to the ground. And he worshipped God. He worshipped. What are we going to do in our life? When things start to fall apart. When you find out that you have cancer, what are you going to do? When you find out that your vision is going, what are you going to do? When the economy tanks and you have nothing, what are you going to do? When you don't have all the abilities you once had, what are you going to do? When you thought you were living a godly life, and you look around you and you suddenly realize God speaks to you and tells you, you're not in a place you need to be. You need to get up and leave. But knowing and doing that, that's going to turn your whole world around. What are you going to do? Job had wisdom here. There's a book, this is a reason this book is considered full of wisdom because Job knew that those things are life. There's something more important. There's something more important. I don't know if you guys have ever heard the, there's like a, a, an old. Chinese story or proverb, I think it came it came to be popular in the 80s is the broken cup I don't know if any of you have heard about that where, where the man was using this this cup that was uh, passed down in his family and it was it was one cup and it was beautiful and you know you think you would display that or keep it safe but he used it every day and finally someone asked him why do you use that cup you might break it what's going to happen to it? You use it all the time like it's just nothing." And, and, and he says, because I realize that this cup, it's already broken. This cup is not going to last forever. So in my mind, if I know that it's already broken, it's already gone, then what? What am I left with? It's already gone in my mind, so that gives me freedom to enjoy it while it's here, knowing it's not going to last. We need to look at the things in our life, our material things, and see that they're already broken. Those great cars we get, they're already rusting. You know, that dream home that you're moving into, imagine it's already crumbled. Because that's the reality, that's the state of things that we put so much faith and confidence in. And, 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 and we work so hard to build up. It's already gone. Just look at it that way. So then, if it is really gone, if it's suddenly snatched from you, what are you lost? What is lost from you? In your mind, it was already broken. Job knew this. In all this, Job sinned not and did not charge God foolishly. Again, there was a day when the sons of God, uh, sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, uh, and Satan came along with them to present himself, and the Lord asked Satan, whence... Comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and from the earth and from walking up and down it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life, but put forth your hand now and touch his bone. And flesh, and he'll curse thee to thy face. And so the Lord said, okay, it's in your hand. You can touch him, you can afflict him, but don't kill him. You do not have my permission to kill him. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, and he smote Job with boils from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Job is broken. He feels like he's got nothing. Money, gone. Children, gone. Health. Health. Gone. Well, he's reduced to sitting in ashes, mourning. He picks up a piece of broken pot and he is scraping at his skin to help clean off the boils in hopes of relieving the itching and the pain and everything else that comes along with his condition. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain? Thy integrity, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? It must have been a sight, a pitiful sight. But he said unto her, Thou speakest of one of a foolish woman speaketh. What, shall we receive good at the hand of God only? Shall we not also receive evil? And all that he did, Job did not sin with his lips. I think Job had a mantra it says in the 21st verse he answered and said naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither the Lord have giveth and the Lord hath taken away but blessed be the name of the Lord That's right. I feel like he clung to that that was his mantra are we gonna cling to that when times get rough are we gonna remember that he gave and it's his right to take away but through it all blessed be the name of the Lord Amen. after this <clears throat> Job was visited by three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They came to see him, and it says that when they saw him afar off, they started, they started crying right away because they knew it was him, but they didn't recognize him. They knew where to find him, but when they saw him, that wasn't the Job they knew. That wasn't his friend. What's happened? What's become of him? Now, this is not in, in a time where they believe that your your sin, there's a direct correlation between uh, your lack of blessings, the condition you're living in, and, and the sin in your life. So they're looking at Job like, man, what have you done? You've really messed this up. First, they sit with him. They sit with him, and, and Job thinks they're there to comfort him, and they sit with him for seven days. Again, this number of completeness. And after that, Job's the first one to speak, and he's so broken down. He's in a full-on depression now. He doesn't want to live. He's not going to kill himself because he knows that's a curse against God and he's refused to do that, but he is waiting for death to come take him. That is the point he's reached. And he opens his mouth and he says, I curse this day. Let the day perish wherewith I was born. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let it not be joined under the days of the year, and let it not come into the number of the months. He just wants to rip it right out of the calendar. Can we all just pretend that day never even happened? Because I would be a lot better off. Let it look for light, but have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day. I don't know. I've, I can't speak to that. I've never, I've never been that down you know, in despair, but maybe you have. Maybe you wish you'd never been born. Those aren't the times that we, we, we should try to cling tighter and that, and that we, we should hold on. Those are the times that you have to cling tighter and you have to hold on. It should not be an option in your life. His friends tell him, if thou were pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee, talking about God, and he would make the habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. So are the paths of all that forget God and the hypocrites' hope shall perish. They're not giving him much, um, much understanding here. Job reminds him, Behold, he taketh away, and who can hinder him? Who will say unto him, What doest thou? If God will not withdraw his anger, how much less shall I answer him and choose out of my words the reason with him? How can I argue with God? If I try to justify myself, my own mouth will condemn me. If I say I'm perfect, it shall prove me perverse. Job knew enough to know that he was not perfect, that he wasn't completely without sin at this time. He did the best he could, but to stand up in front of God and proclaim that I don't deserve any of this because I'm perfect, just shows how imperfect he would be. For he is no man as I am, Job said, that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. He says, but I'll speak in the bitterness of my soul. I'll say unto God, do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. Please show me where I've erred. Thou knowest that I'm not wicked, and there's none that can deliver out of my hand. Remember, I beseech thee that thou hast made me as clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again? Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. You know what I'm made of. You created me, Lord. You know that I haven't, I haven't wronged you. I've been faithful. Thou hast clothed me, excuse me, uh, thou hast granted me life and favor and thy visitation has preserved my spirit. It's the close walk he had, as close as he could get with God that's preserved him. And these things hast thou hid in thy heart. I know that this is with me. I'm full of confusion. I would be too. Therefore seeth thou my affliction, for it increase. Thou huntest me as a fierce lion, and again thou showest thyself marvelous upon me. Thou renewest thy witness against me, and increase thy indignation upon me. Changes in war or against me. Job knows something's going on here. He doesn't know what it is. But something is happening, and his friends are not hearing him. They're not listening to him. They're convinced, no, Job, you've got it wrong. One of them says... <clears throat> so far, for thou hast said my doctrine is pure and I am clean in thy eyes, but oh that God would speak and open his lips against thee. If thou would prepare thy heart, Job, and stretch out thy hands toward him, and iniquity, if iniquity be in thy hand, put it far away and let not the wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles, for then shalt thou lift up thy face without spot. Yea, thou shalt be steadfast and shall not fear. Just admit what you've done, Job. Quit hiding it, whatever the secret sin is. Just let it out. Job answered, he's getting a little upset with his friends. I have understanding as well as you. I'm not inferior to you. I understand what you're saying, and I know how that works. But ask the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak of the earth, and it shall teach thee. Who knoweth not in all things that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? And whose hand is the soul of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind? With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. Job's trying to argue his point. He's clinging to what he knows to be truth. Even his friends are trying to convince him that he's wrong. He's utterly by himself. His wife just wants him to give up and die. His friends aren't there for him. He starts telling his friends, why are you even here? I didn't even ask for you to come here. I've asked nothing of you. All you've done is come and bring me grief. If, if you were in, in my position, I would come to you with words of comfort. I could shake my head at you too and tell you all kinds of things. He tells them they're physicians of no value. And they're bad comforters, is what he tells them. He tries to get them one last time. He tells them that the children despise me. I rose and they speak against me. There was a time when Job was respected by everyone, but now even the teenagers laugh and mock him. All my inward friends abhor me. And they who am my love are turned against me. My bone cleaveth in my skin, into my flesh, and I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. Have pity upon me. Have pity upon me, O you my friends. For the hand of God hath touched me. Why do you persecute me as God and are not satisfied with my flesh? Oh that my words were written down. Oh that they were printed in a book. Oh, little did Job know your words will be written down and they will be printed in a book. And even better than that, he says, that they were graven with an iron pen and lead in a book forever. Well, this is even better than Graven pen. It's in the Holy Word. There's a reason for all this happening, but Job doesn't know it, and he doesn't understand it. But he does know one thing. He goes on to say, for I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh will I see God. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the time where God steps in. This is, this, is the final, this is the final blow to Job here, I think. I imagine Job, he's just, I mean, you can imagine what a pitiful mess he's in. He's there in a heap of ashes, he's mourning, his head is shaved, he's covered in sores, his clothes are ripped. I don't know how much more you could see from a man in, in that condition. And a wind starts to blow, and it just circles around. And I think think God can come in a whisper, but he needed to come in the wind at this point. He needed to speak loud as the thunder, and I think he came down. And it says, then Lord answered Job and said, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee an answer of thou. He's saying, stand up, gird yourself up. I want to have a conversation. I want to ask you something. And I think while he was speaking with Job, the reason he came in a wind, I think, is because he wanted everyone to hear this. I'm speaking to you, but I'm really speaking to all of you right now. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, and thou knowest? Or who stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, were you there? Or who shut up the sea with the doors when it break forth as it had issue out of the womb? When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, and the darkness of a swaddling band for it, were you there? Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place? Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in search of the depth? Do you know the depths of the seas? Have the gates of death been open unto you? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breath of the earth and declared, if you know it, tell me, I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah. Where is the way where the light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? Knowest thou it because thou wast then born? Or because the number of thy days is great? I don't recall you being there. Were you there? <laughs> By which way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth? Who hath divided a water course for the overflowing of waters, or a way for the lightning of thunder? Did y'all hear the thunder the other morning? I love hearing thunder. That was a nice thing to wake up to. If I could make it thunder, I would sometimes. I can't do it, can we? To cause it to rain on the earth where no man is on the wilderness wherewith there is no man, in order to satisfy the desolate of waste ground and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. How does that happen by itself, Job? Hath the reign a Father? Or who, hath forgotten the, or who hath begotten the drops of the dew? Can thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Now we're really getting out there. We're getting into yeah. the space here, right. which, you know, we <laughs> We can't, we're, we're just proud that we've set a foot on one of them. And he's asking, do you have any control of what's going on up there? Can you loosen bands? Can you create galaxies? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Can thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Can thou lift up thy voice to the clouds that abundance of waters may cover thee? Can thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, here we are. Does the lightning obey you? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Now we're back down to the person. Forget everything else. Now we're going to talk about you and the people around you. Or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can stay the bottles of heaven? Gavest thou the goodly wings unto the peacocks? Or wings and feathers unto the ostrich? You know, those are beautiful feathers. But who put them there? Which... By the way, he's saying, speaking of ostrich, which leaveth her eggs in the earth and warm them in dust and forgetteth that the foot may crush them or that the wild beast may break them. She's hardened against the young ones as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without fear because God hath deprived her of wisdom, neither hath he imparted to her understanding. I did that, Job. Doth the hawk fly by wisdom and stretch her wings toward the south? Doth the eagle mount up at the commandment and make her nest on high? The Lord's got one more thing to say. Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. If you have the answers to these, if you can tell me all these things, then go ahead and reprove God. Then Job answered the Lord, said, Behold, I'm vile. What shall I answer thee? What can I say? You know I don't know these things. He says, I'll lay my hand upon my mouth. I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> once I've spoken, and I've decided once is enough, Job tells them. I'll proceed no further. And then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind and said, gird up your loins now like a man. I want you to stand up. And I want you to de- declare unto me. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me? That thou mayest be righteous, hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now, if you can, with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. Cast abroad the rage of thy wrath, and behold everyone that is proud, and abase him. Look on everyone that is proud, and bring him low, and tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together, and bind their faces in secret. Then I will confess to you that you are mighty enough to save yourself." God wants to know, who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. Once we understand that, we can let go. Right. We can let go of the expectations, yeah. of, of the goals set here on earth. We, we can let go of these things. It's all his. That's right. He can do what he wants with it. He can do what he wants with us. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I knew not. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now I see with my eyes. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. And it was so that after that the Lord spoke these words unto Job, that the Lord said unto Eliphaz, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. Now he's like, I'm going to talk to you. I want to have a word. For you have not spoken for me the thing that is right as my servant Job. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you. Job now takes this this offering and, and atones for his friends. He's praying for the friends. Where have we seen this before? This will happen later. Forgive them. They don't know what they do. He's still humble, still able to forgive. This life hasn't hardened Job. We've got to make sure that we don't let, let life harden us. We have to stay soft to the word of God. Amen. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job, and when he prayed for his friends also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And there came unto him his brethren and his sisters and all that they had been acquaintance before, and they did eat with him, and they comforted him. And it says that the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she-asses. In all the land there were no women found so fair as his daughters. And Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Do you know that they personify wisdom in the Bible? I'm sure you've read it. They describe her as a woman who carries riches and glory in her right hand and length of days in her left. I hope I've got that right on the days. That's what Job was blessed with because he clung to wisdom. It says, he who is happy, who has wisdom and understanding. Job had that the whole time and he clung to it. And he was blessed with just that in the end. There's one more, James, uh, or Peter, if Peter could have only been there with Job to tell him this, but we have this written with us today. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of your suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin with us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him as well doing unto the faithful creator. Amen. And I'm going to end with Psalms and I know that we want to we want to wrap this up because um, I'm trusting we're going to have altar service um, we we have we have ones that want to come and make their commitment and their vow to God. Not just for the good times, but through all of it, through life, through life. Psalms 116 I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me, and I found trouble and sorrow. But then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. My soul. Don't deliver my things. Don't deliver my body. Please don't deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath that bountifully with me, for thou hast delivered myself from death, my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore I have spoken." I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious is the sight of the Lord and in the death of the saints. O Lord, truly, I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now with the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house in the midst of thee. O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. For stand, we'll sing a song of invitation.